You're listening to the Chelsea Zerna Podcast, a podcast that inspires conscious leaders to live meaningful lives and to get in touch with the deepest parts of the human experience. My name's Chelsea Zerna, and I'm a women's empowerment coach with the mission of rewilding the feminine back into society. Each week, I have a conscious conversation with best-selling authors, inspiring leaders, and spiritual lightworkers who aren't afraid to step into the unknown and explore the greatest truths of life. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. In this episode, I sit down with Jackie Nectel, the co-founder of Flow Consciousness Institute, a company focused on helping people operate in states of flow consciousness. And I actually interviewed her co-founder, Justin, a few episodes back. So if you want to listen to that one, go ahead and flip a few back. Jackie, uh, in this podcast, we talk about trauma work, grief, healing, and Jackie's journey across the world and discovering her awakening and her current calling into flow consciousness. Jackie holds trainings, retreats, workshops, and transformational experiences worldwide. So with that, let's welcome Jackie to the podcast. Before this call, we were talking about your spiritual beginnings and how you got started. And I think it would be really amazing to talk about that and then dive more into the flow consciousness work that you're doing right now. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, my path has been kind of a, a twisty, windy one. And I had a strong rejection of all things spiritual for a long time. I think growing up with Catholicism and, and anything that was religious, I you know just kind of pushed away or and included spirituality in that. But from a very young age, I was definitely a seeker and looking for something more and knowing that um, I was here to break patterns. I, I came in to break these patterns in my lineage of addiction, of codependence, of you know all of these these challenges that I've inherited through my lineage. And uh, from the time I was maybe 13 years old, I was studying. Eastern mysticism and reading the Bhagavad Gita and studying Buddhism and reading psychology textbooks. And it was really more from a place of, I don't want to be broken anymore. You know, I felt like, you know, there were so many things that I was facing in my life that were so challenging and I didn't have the tools to navigate. So I was looking for some sense of peace and freedom in that. And, um, so I, I began studying these different things and, and things along my journey that I didn't necessarily realize as part of my awakening. I did eight years of martial arts and, you know, that was, um, for me at the time, it was more of a, a fitness thing and just learning a new skill set. But I learned so much about living in the present moment and connecting to my my hara and my energy center and, and working with energy and all of these different things along the way. So looking back, it's like all of these things that I did that I didn't recognize were part of the process were absolutely a part of the journey. And it was really the death of my brother in 2009. That was the biggest catalyst for my awakening. And at that time I was living in a really burnt out state. I was super passionate about my work and was doing really well with it. And 
I just didn't have boundaries. So I couldn't say no to families. I was working as an autism specialist and I couldn't turn down families that needed my help. And so I ended up working six days a week, 14 hours a day and just getting chronically ill and burnt out. And I took a very much needed vacation and you know, it didn't really make much sense at the time. I flew from New York to Mauritius, which is a tiny island off the coast of Madagascar. So not really where you'd go when you have a, a short period of time. Um, but for some reason, I was led there. And on my trip, I got the message that my brother had died. Wow. And so I was in the airport in South Africa at the baggage claim. And I got the message through Facebook and it was devastating. And it was the most traumatic thing that I'd ever experienced and um, really caused me to go into this deep introspection and reflect on my life and see like if I were truly living life for myself and on my terms and not just caretaking and, and giving and over giving to everyone else, what would my life look like? And I'd always wanted to travel. I had some friends who were doing trips around the world and, and just came back sharing stories and pictures. I was like, wow, you know, I really want to do that. But then my rational mind was like, well, you can't because you've built this practice and these families need you and these kids, like, if you don't help them, who's going to help them? I had this like, intense responsibility and you know even this martyr martyr syndrome that I needed to save these kids and without me you know their their lives would be a mess and so I had all of these attachments and reasons and excuses why I couldn't live the life that I wanted and after some time a few months had passed and I decided you know what fuck it I'm just going to walk away from everything. And I left my business. I left my family. I left my friends. I left all of the safety and security that I had. And I went on this grand adventure. And it was my hero's journey in such a big way. And, And it began with bringing my brother's ashes to Machu Picchu. And, you know, I just, I sat in ceremony a couple months ago and had a profound release of grief around this. And um, what I didn't realize at the time, I had mentioned to the shaman that when my brother died, we brought his ashes to Machu Picchu. And it, did, I, it didn't really make sense why. Um, and she said, did you know that Machu Picchu is called the crystal condor? And it's the shape of this condor flying upside down to usher souls over the rainbow bridge. Oh, wow. And I just started bawling when she said that because it was like on a conscious level, it didn't make any sense 11 years ago that I would take him to Machu Picchu. But on a deep soul level, my soul knew that that was the experience that he needed. And, And so in this medicine journey working with this profound plant teacher from Peru, I was able to tap into the depths and and of this unprocessed grief and release this and in such a magical synchronistic way. There was a song that came on that was so profoundly beautiful. 
And, you know, this was after 12 hours of music that nothing really resonated or grabbed my attention, but the song came on. It was so hauntingly beautiful that I needed to know what it was. And I asked the shaman and she said it was a song called Daniel's Yoik. And it was written by this Swedish Scandinavian Sami singer to grieve the loss of his best friend, Daniel. And Daniel was my brother. And no so way, was, that was your brother's yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, there was <laughs> so much synchronicity around yeah. this. It was so profound. Um, so I went off on a bit of a tangent there, but um, mm. it was just this underlying guidance yeah. that I've had all along that's been showing me the way when I didn't even realize. And so... And sometimes you can't connect the dots. Until hindsight, at, yeah. Yeah, until you look backwards and you see it all. That's yeah. And so that's the thing. It's like looking back, it's like, why did I end up 30 hours away from my family to receive the worst news of my life? Well, because I was a chronic overgiver and I would be taking care of everyone else but myself. So the fact that I was all the way on the other side of the world and everyone knew I was traveling and out of the country. So they knew not to call me. They weren't going to be able to reach me. So I got to let people in on my terms when it felt true for me to share that information with people. Mm-hmm. So I had space for my own grief and my own healing. Mm-hmm. I also had started working with a, a therapist who specialized in addiction four months prior. So she had this runway of information about all of the patterns that I'd been dealing with. So, so she was there to support Addiction me. from an overdose. From yeah. an overdose. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so I was so fully supported. I had a dear friend with me and yeah. you know, I had space to grieve and to heal. So it's no no doubt that this was all divinely orchestrated in, wow. in how it unfolded. And so when I got back, I decided to leave on this trip around the world, started mm-hmm. at Machu Picchu, scattered his ashes, and it was really symbolic for me and in going into this hero's journey and traveling around the world by myself, which yeah. was one of the most profound training grounds for living in flow and really having to surrender control and learn to trust my intuition. And on that journey, I ended up in preparation to climb Kilimanjaro, which I didn't really want to do. Again, it's like seeing oh. where the threads, all of the synchronicity was leading. A friend had asked me if I wanted to climb Kilimanjaro and I was like, yeah, not really. You know, I, I'd already done a bunch of mountains in Patagonia and I already sent home all my hiking gear and my trekking gear. And I was like, eh, I'd kind of rather go sailing in Greece or sail around the Mediterranean for a month. And then in just like a fit of deliriousness. I remember being in the airport in Brazil and I had a really early flight and I was sleep deprived and I just came off of a sinus infection. And I was like, you know what? What if I do it for charity? If I do this for autism charity and raise $10,000, it'll be great for um, motivation for me to complete this challenge. It'll be great for bringing awareness and some funding to a cause that's dear to my heart. And so I had sent out a bunch of emails to publications and uh, you know organizations yeah. saying, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. And then I totally forgot about it until a few weeks 
I started getting people reaching out and saying, Hey, I'd like to do a story on this. And I was like, wow. uh, and you had donations okay. coming through and you had been working with clients that were autistic as well. Yes. They had, yeah. They I, was, had I was an autism specialist. So it was, I reached out to my community and had started the fundraising. And, um, in the end we raised just under $10,000 wow. for autism and, wow. But it was really, again, looking back and seeing that I was on this year-long journey. I was nine months into a trip around the world where I wasn't really, I, I was living off of peanut butter sandwiches a lot of the time in New Zealand, <laughs> driving around in a camper van. So I wasn't really <laughs> in the space to climb this mountain. Yeah. So I knew I needed to train. And so I had a, had a, a trip to Australia planned after New Zealand. and. I started looking for places that I could detox and that I could train and hike. Yeah. And Australia really get... is an amazing place for that too. They have such yeah. revolutionary fitness techniques there. Exactly. And, and, and so it was like coming into this land, you know, with a very different plan that I started out with, you know, I thought mm -hmm. I was going to be just traveling around Australia. And now I was looking for this center where I could go on this really strict cleanse and detox protocol and, and just yeah. get into the right mindset to climb the mountain. But what was waiting for me was something completely different. <laughs> and when I, you know, as life would have it, it was a treatment center for stress, depression, anxiety. And I was like, no, 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 oh. you've got this all wrong. Like I'm living, you know, my dream life right now. And traveling the world and every day is an adventure. And I was like, I'm trying to get into this positive mindset to climb this mountain. Yeah. And they were like, well, look, just stay and do the weekend intensive and then go off and do whatever you want. And there was a lot of heaviness in this place. People were facing their dark night of the soul. Mm. And so I reluctantly went into this training and I was so triggered by the teachings and the things that they were sharing, I was, I've never been so angry and pissed off by something. And really? so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It, it was, was really, it because you had your things that were unresolved or you didn't like the way they were facilitating? No, it, I had a lot of my own unresolved things. And, yeah. um, you know, so even though I'd done a ton of inner work leading yeah. up to that, I was still holding on to these things. And so, the perspectives that they were sharing were so confronting and it was basically non-dual awareness presented wow. in a really non-spiritual way, which rubbed up against all of my beliefs, you know, about good and bad, right and wrong. And mm -hmm. I grew up Catholic, so I had a really rigid belief system and values system that was getting so challenged in this experience. And I was holding on so tightly to my arguments, of, you know, about the way things were that I was like, you know what, if I'm experienced, I knew enough, I'd done enough work at this point to know that if I was really triggered by something, if I was really having a strong resistance, that there's something there for me to look at. Mm, yeah. And so I surrendered to that and I ended up staying there. And instead of doing three weeks of hiking, I ended up doing a lot of mindfulness coaching and uh, a process called the journey. Brandon Bayes does this amazing healing process. It's like a kind of a guided hypnotic regression and uncovered some deep, deep, deep core wounds, emotional wounds, and, you know, um, yeah. even pre-birth traumas and things like that. And so 
that was a huge up-leveling for me, a quantum up-leveling. And that was 11 years ago and um, really just radically shifted my mindset and my mentality about so many things and led to so much freedom. And since then, it's been a constant shedding of layers and studying different modalities and wisdom traditions and that led to this place of just profound emotional freedom and peace and effortless success and, you know, things that, um, you know, would just show up in my life, this effortless manifestation that people are like, well, what are you doing? Like, how do you do that? And I didn't really know. I just knew that there was something different. And I ended up in a a workshop. um, I think I was like on twin flames or something. And I was very resistant to that as well. And we were talking about dimensions of consciousness. And that's when I realized, I was like, whoa, that's what's different. Because of the years and years and years of deep inner work and reprogramming that I've done and shedding and releasing the traumas and and just doing all of this work, I'd shifted into a higher consciousness, into a higher level of awareness where, you know, I, I was living in complete uncertainty and without fear and where things would just manifest very easily. And, mm-hmm. and this was, was still like, when oh. you were traveling on your journey, right? You were still, yeah, the, yeah. yeah this was about six years ago. Yeah. Um, and I had taken several big leaps in my life a few times where I've just kind of left everything. The the second time was uh, after I came back from the trip around the world in 2010, I ended up, uh, I was in Manhattan working at a world renowned autism center for a few years, but knowing that I was never going to be the same and that my purpose was very different and which was hard for me because I was so connected to the work with autism, I was like, but this is my purpose, but I was feeling called to something so much bigger. Yeah. And that's when I realized that my brother died to give me life mm. and to give me a connection to a purpose yeah. that's so much bigger. And this purpose was coming through to help people have that same awakening to the truth of who they are, but without having to go through trauma, tragedy, or, you know, just these you know, really painful experiences to get to that place. Mm -hmm. And so um, I had taken another leap in 2013, I think it was, and I left behind that career again and just jumped fully feet first or maybe even head first into the unknown. And um, I, my first experience was leading a retreat for eight women in Puerto Rico. And then I was invited to teach at a retreat in Costa Rica. And then I was invited to coach on a tech incubator in Chile for three months. And then I was invited to Dubai and then to Saudi Arabia. It was just like all of these experiences that, you know, I I could have never imagined would be my life and just wild experience after wild experience. Mm -hmm. And um, just following the thread of my curiosity and my intuition and my excitement and letting that be my compass, it all became clear. The path became more clear until I was then introduced to Justin, who you had a a conversation with. Um, I was in Bali and this woman who had been following my journey online reached out and she 
wanted to take me for a coffee in New York. And um, I met with her and she's like, wow, you know, all of these concepts that you're sharing about flow, you need to talk to my coach, Justin, because he's talking about the same things. And so he and I got on a call and then it was just like, you know, <laughs> we're, we're talking about the dimensions of consciousness and, and all of these levels of reality and how we're creating it. And, and he's like, well, where, where did you get this? Like, where did you come up with this? And so much of it was through my own healing journey and um, just downloads that were coming. And so he and I decided that, um, you know, there was something to explore there. And um, I was largely nomadic at that time and was passing through Santa Barbara. And I was like, hey, we should, we should meet up. We'd met once before. I brought a small group to Joshua Tree. So we actually met in the Integratron for the first time, but we didn't get <laughs> a quality drop-in. So we joke and say that we met in a, a time machine. And um, But then I was going up the coast of California and I was going to pass through Santa Barbara. I was like, we should just drop in and, and see where the synergy is. But then by the time I got here, I was in so much pain. I'd had this mysterious pain in my abdomen for weeks and it was just intensifying. And I got to his house and I was doubled over and wow. said, I think I need to go to the emergency room. And I ended up hospitalized for five days wow. with this abdominal infection. And, you know, again, it, it's like we look at these things and we think they shouldn't be happening in our lives, but there's, you know, <laughs> a, a greater wisdom at play and kind yeah. of this divine orchestration. Because if I had been, you know, I, I was nomadic, so I probably would have just had dinner with him and be like, okay, cool, you know, great meeting you and I've been on my way. And it would have been one of those sliding doors moments. But instead, I was strapped to a hospital bed and I couldn't wow. go anywhere. Yeah. And he and his girlfriend, Megan came every day to visit. And there was mm -hmm. such a profound soul resonance that we're like, Whoa, we need to work together. Wow. And so we kind of mapped it out and sketched it out while I was in the hospital. Oh, you're in the hospital gonna, bed. <laughs> pretty much, you know, like, hi, nice to meet you. Let's do this work together. And we're going to write this book and we're going to do this speaking tour. And then it all happened two months later. You know, we, we did our first talk in Costa Rica and, um, you know, it hasn't stopped since. We've shared this work in 17 countries now over the last four years. So it, it's definitely a journey that doesn't make any rational sense. It's mm -hmm. just tuning in and following the guidance and surrendering and getting out of my own way because there's still so many parts of me that are like, who am I to do this? You know? Yeah. And the more I get out of my own way, the more the path becomes clear. Mm, for sure. Yeah. So now were you and Justin already on the exact same path or did you each contribute different pieces to the puzzle to kind of make it a whole? Yeah. We kind of synthesized. There were similar understandings and concepts that we described differently. So there was a lot that we just synthesized and then we each brought our own pieces to it to create the whole methodology and body of work. Wow. Yeah, that's really great. And so for you, then you started getting into um, doing, you said work around trauma work and family constellations from that, right? Yeah, that's um, one of the more recent pieces of the puzzle is, is just going deep into somatic work and trauma and family constellation, all of these. Because I, I feel like a lot of the 
the piece that's missing in personal development is really working at these deeper levels. And mm-hmm. um, so, or in spiritual work, it's not really grounded. And so if we're operating just at the level of the mind or the level of awareness, we're not addressing the trauma imprints, the energetic imprints and all of the things that are existing at the other bodies, right. And our physical body and our energy body our emotional body. And so, um, I've been really geeking out on all of that and, and seeing the impact, right. So it's, um, like at all levels of society, we all are carrying some of it, but most recently we had gone to volunteer at a maximum security prison and seeing these men and just being eye to eye with them and seeing the eight-year-old little boy inside them that had such severe trauma and didn't have the tools and didn't have the environment and really didn't stand a chance. And that given the same circumstances, we probably would have acted the same. And recognizing that at the root of homelessness, at the root of incarceration, at the root of addiction, all of it is trauma. Yeah. And so the need to have, you know, um, more trauma-informed teachers, more trauma-informed staff, more trauma-informed, uh, you know, people working in, in prisons and things like that, it's so critical. So that's kind of something sure. that I've been... Yeah, really diving into, and that's really interesting. Doing it in a prison because a lot of our conditioning even happens from zero to seven, which is when a lot of those patterning, a lot of those, uh, a lot of that trauma occurs, and then is imprinted into people until they're older, and then they really act on those things. And family, oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to share that um, being with these men who were in for life, you know, 25 to life, some of them were in solitary confinement. They hadn't seen another human being in 10 years. And and being with these men who have done unspeakable things and committed these atrocities and just feeling the depths of their pain and their sadness. And then they shared their life story. And you could see like, you know, that whether they grew up in a, a gang and having that influence or, you know, uh, you know, one guy, his father had a traumatic passing when he was four and he found him. And so just seeing how that shaped them at such a young age and they you know, didn't really have any other path. Yeah. It really, it was so touching. Wow. And for people who don't know, uh, family constellation work and maybe Jackie, you can go into this a little bit deeper based on your background, but when you heal in your present day, you also heal your past generations and your ancestors. So it's almost like when we're giving birth, like when our parents, our mothers are giving birth, we actually carry on some of that energy and we carry it on from multiple generations back and we can actually heal in our lifetime and heal the past as well. Is there anything else that we should know about family constellation work that you could tell? Yeah. I mean, it's just such a powerful process and um, yeah, like you said, our trauma imprints and some of these emotional patterns and fears and things, studies are shown that epigenetically that we're inheriting these for up to 14 generations. So if we had family that grew up in the depression or genocide, the Holocaust or a famine, things like that, those imprints 
are passed down through our lineage and through our DNA. So we think as babies, we're coming into the world as a blank slate, but that's not really the case. Mm -hmm. So family constellation is a really powerful process to go back and work through the energetics of the lineage. And like you said, you can heal the past generations and you can, um, you can also heal going forward. So it's like, I said, I came into this world knowing that I was a pattern breaker. Yeah. And so <laughs> it stops with me. Yeah. And I was very clear that I'm doing all of this work to end these cycles and to end it from being passed on to future generations. So it's like, you know, doing the work retroactively to, to work through the ancestry and through our lineage, but then also for, for future generations. And it's just, yeah. A really powerful intuitive process and just an incredible way to develop your own intuition and to see just the most unbelievable things because it's um how do you even describe it with words you're you're picking representations of different family members whether they're alive or deceased or internal parts of yourself so like your internal family systems or you know, your actual ancestors and people in your family. And there's people that are representing them. And so you'll be in a room with a a group of people, you'll place them wherever you intuitively feel they should be. And then with as little words as possible, they'll begin to move intuitively, you know, just whatever's coming through them. And it begins to paint a picture, like a 3D representation of these patterns that have been passed down and you're making interpretations based on the way people are positioned how close or far they are are they turned away or are they looking towards are they connected or are they touching you know and and being able to draw so much wisdom through this really highly intuitive and really kind of strange process that for sure just unbelievable things happen for sure. When I did it, it was really powerful. I did uh, an inner child healing and I watched my inner child and my adult self. There were two different representations um, acting out what each of them were. And I didn't know which one was which, but I could tap into and I could feel which one was um, the inner child and which one was uh, the adult me and, and, and how they were interacting. And it was just so interesting seeing what my inner child was needing and and i i got to see like my inner child was kind of like asking to go on this adventure and my adult me was just so curious about the world and so in awe and so excited that it was almost missing taking the inner child along for the adventure Mm. so it was this interesting um opportunity for healing to be done and i i'm sure i can go way deeper than that and i'm sure that even in your life too you've seen with the trauma work that it has been massive i'm curious like how has that been for you like what were you able to see and how has your life shifted because of some of that healing hmm like i said there i mean there's been so many modalities along the way that have been so supportive of my own healing and the depths yeah. of my healing and i think um family constellation in particular because i didn't know 
or I don't know a lot about my family because my family doesn't know a lot about my family. And so I'm the one who's always at the holidays, like, you know, busting out the family tree and like trying to find all of these missing pieces so I can really resolve a lot of these patterns. Um, but there just isn't a lot of information. So my parents don't know a lot about their parents and like their grandparents. And so there's just a lot of mystery. So family constellation is powerful because you don't have to know. And so the process will inform, the field will inform what needs to be known and what wants to come through. And, and I mean, there was a while that I was so skeptical of anything like this. I mean, all of it I would have run from, you know, in the past and or made fun of and just been not open to. But I've had so many experiences now that are so inexplicable that I'm just, I can't help but to really believe in them. And even um, I worked with a profoundly gifted psychic intuitive friend and we were in Bali last year and actually at the same time we were there and she connected to my brother's spirit and he was ask you that yeah wow she was speaking through uh, he was speaking through her yeah and and sharing these things that were like whoa like really kind of earth shattering Mm -hmm. and then there was a piece of me that was like well you know how do I know this is him kind of thing And she was like, well, ask him a question. I was like, well, what is a band that we listen to together all the time that would be really meaningful? And without hesitation, she said sublime. Not even with a little (laughs) bit of like rising inflection, like implying a question in her voice. There was no, no question. It was just sublime. And I just started crying. Oh my gosh. Out of every band in the history of music, it could have been anything, but there was such certainty with the way that she said it. And I was like, wow, you know, and yeah. we're, we're really, we're all that connected. We're all that tapped in. We all have that capability. It's mm-hmm. just really opening to receiving it and really learning to tune in and, and surrender. And that's been a big part of my journey as like a recovering skeptic and, you know, just a New Yorker. <laughs> that's like, what is this woo woo shit? You know, yeah. um, I've really had to, learn to suspend disbelief and really open myself to a lot of these ideas that are, you know, somewhat crazy and, Mm. and just unbelievable things have shown up back in that medicine ceremony that I was sharing with you. um, Mm. As that song came on and I was in this profound release, the shaman came over with a necklace to, to give me, it was a beaded witch hole necklace. And it happened to be a gift from my Mexican shaman friend who was killed four years ago, shot down by an Apache helicopter in Egypt. And I brought it to the ceremony and put it on the mesa on the altar as my item to really just be with me. And I don't know how she knew it was mine, you know, on one level, I don't know how, but it's like, of course she knew because Rafa is one of my guides and he was coming through to comfort me in that moment of this Mm -hmm. profound release And so she brought this necklace over to me, not knowing that it was mine, just following her guidance and gave it to me. And that just (laughs) released a second wave of ugly crying. And it was just another profound release. And there's so much synchronicity and magic. So there's so many things that if we truly allow ourselves to be open to the mystery and to the magic, 
like miracles happen all the time. Mm, Yeah. And that's probably, you know, one of my favorite things that you and Justin do is you do a great job of combining spirituality and science. And that erases a lot of the skepticism. Like I like to say that spirituality to me is just science undiscovered. Like we are so limited in what we know scientifically and spirituality is just that like empty space that we're still kind of learning and you guys are bridging that. And I really think that's what opens up more discovery. It's that like open-mindedness to the unknown. I think it's, yeah, super, super amazing that you guys are doing that. And we're, we're living in such a cool time now where science is saying the same thing that mystics have been saying for centuries yeah, and really uh, validating and supporting some of these ideas that were just kind of pushed aside as being too esoteric or too, you know, too woo woo. And um, yeah, we are able to distill a lot of these concepts into really practical tools and practical ways for people to understand. And, and like I said about that retreat in Australia that was really presenting, they actually, looking back, there was a lot of quantum physics in that and like a really grounded practical way of talking about these things, which allowed me to hear it. Mm. And I just got back from uh, a nine-day leadership training with Werner Earhart, who created Aston Landmark. And um, it was the same thing. He had participants from uh, 30-something countries, 160 people from all over the world, that most of them were not uh, what would identify as spiritual. You know, they're running construction companies and things like that. And the processes that they did and the language that they used was absolutely to take people into unity consciousness and have a non-dual understanding and to realize that I am not my body, I am not my emotions, my thoughts, my beliefs, and really to live in the space of connected to source and allowing life to flow through. But it was done in a way that people could access it and hear it. And I think that's what's Mm. so important is having people that can be that bridge that can really be anchored and rooted and grounded in this 3D reality while, you know, accessing higher realms, but really pulling that, that wisdom through and embodying it and really living it and being the example so that other people can receive it in a a really concrete way. Mm, That's so beautiful. That's amazing. Jackie, thank you so much for being on this podcast and sharing with everybody. I'd like to, so we've talked about so many things on this podcast. We talked about your story with your brother. We talked about uh, trauma and going into prisons and helping heal people that potentially haven't been having the tools and the access to this stuff to heal themselves. We talked about the manifestations of flow consciousness that you're bringing into other parts of the world. Um, if somebody wanted to continue on this journey, where do you think the first or next step they should go would be? Hmm. Uh, well, obviously flowconsciousness.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, um, it, it's really, I mean, there's so many paths to get to the same place. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really tuning into what they're intuitively guided to do and to study and to read and to, you know, who to listen to and follow because that's going to take you down the path of most flow and the path of least resistance. So always 
tuning in to see what resonates, what's most exciting, what's most inspiring and aligned, and then following that, that breadcrumb. Yeah, that's amazing. Jackie, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This is great. Awesome.